Hello and welcome to Nerd Punches Nerd, the only podcast where a bunch of nerds pretend to physically fight for minor pop culture minutia. I'm Jeremy, here with Benji and Sam. Say hello, Guardians. Hello, Guardians. Hello, Guardians. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about this recent movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, and, you know, just some of our thoughts and feelings about said picture or the motion picture, or lack thereof. But before we get started, in honor of this movie, we're going to have a really quick little game, and each of us is going to give three songs that we think should be on Awesome Mix Volume 2. Alright, so, why don't we start this time with Mr. Benjomius. Okay. This is Mr. Benjomius speaking. Um... I think Don't Stop Believing mm-hmm. will be on there. Or could okay. be on there. Alright. Um, I feel good. Na, 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 na. <laughs> Alright, good choice. And, and then, yeah. you can dance, you can die, having the All right. time of your life. Pitch yeah, down, pitch down, please. Uh, Alba does not sound so high pitched. but they, yeah. sound, they don't sound as good as I just sounded. Just, just put it out there. <laughs> Just put it out there. And then a close a close fourth was I was thinking, Stand by me. Oh darling, oh darling, darling, stand. Alright. Stand by me. That's, but that might be too early. Beautiful falsetto. <laughs> and what about you, um, Sam Vale? Okay. So um I was looking through because I know that um we know that Awesome Mix number two was made around nineteen ninety eight. It wasn't necessarily with songs from 1998, but we know that it was made in 1998. Um, so I was looking through songs that... Uh, 1988, you, know, you mean. Ni- did I say 1998? Yeah, 1988. No, there was no rabouche on this, uh, on this mix. You know, oh, and, um, and songs that were recorded around that time, you know, going back a couple of years. That's right. So the first song that I saw that jumped out to me immediately was, of course, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Ooh. Wait, what year was that? Um, oh, you know, I just had it, and then I closed the window, so now I don't know anymore. Because I feel like, is, is that really the right time? Yeah, hold on, let me, let me look it up. Okay. Never Gonna Give You Up is 1987. Alright, that's very close, but alright. Uh... So, wait a minute, is that it? Um, no, that was just my first one. My second one was I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner. Ah. Um, I can which see I that. think kind of fits with the theme. And then the last one is When Doves Cry by Prince. Hmm. Expensive, but I think uh, it's pretty good. All right. Expensive? <laughs> so, I would pick... <laughs> I don't quite know what that means, but okay. <laughs> what the most apropos love song of all. Space Age Love Song by a Flock okay. of Seagulls. Okay. Yeah, I saw your eyes. Yeah, that, that one. And I would also pick, since I can't pick Don't Stop Believing, I would pick another Don't Stop song, which is Don't Stop Me Now from Queen, which would be like, you know, it would be good for a bunch of situations. And my final choice is also a Flock of Seagulls, which is called I Ran. Right. Because it's actually about someone getting abducted by aliens. It is. That's true. Ah, good point. 
How does that song go? <laughs> it goes yeah, like, and I ran. I ran so far away. Exactly. You know what's on yeah, exactly. And there's a bunch of stuff about... <laughs> I just wanted to do the falsetto. You just wanted to... Yeah, okay, I got you. <laughs> All right, so... Oh, no more, no more, get away. That song, you mean? And I ran... Something like that, yeah. so far away. All right. It was for the, 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 the GTA Vice City. They, they, they did that song for that, right? Yes, I think that's probably true. Yeah, for that commercial, yeah. But not that I particularly care, but anyway... So, Guardians of the Galaxy is sort of an interesting thing, because it first started in the 60s, sort of a group that was sort of brought out in other Marvel superhero comics. And various different people that we see were introduced at different points. The original team didn't have any of the people that are in it in the movie. And the most recent take on it from 2008 is the one that this is using. Except there's also like a few, like one or two other characters, which I assume they're probably going to integrate later on. There's like a guy named Adam Warlock, which there is a reference to in this movie, and someone named Quasar. Mm-hmm. There was this cartoon that I've told you about, which is, you know, the the Avengers one that they had, Marvel's Greatest Superheroes one. And there was one episode where they get involved with the Guardians of the Galaxy which includes some of the people from our, this team, but not all of them, including Groot and Rocket Raccoon. And, of course, it's funny because I don't know if you guys remember from the Marvel vs. Capcom video game. We talked a little bit about that last time with the Deadpool stuff, but one of the characters was Rocket Raccoon. And this is like like a year or two ago, so maybe even longer than that. So it was before this movie had been announced. So he was more of an obscure character at that point. So I think it's kind of interesting that they picked that, even though most people wouldn't have been as familiar. So, yeah, I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy has gone through a few different iterations, a few different people on the team. Rocket Raccoon actually comes... The name comes from the song by the Beatles, Rocky Raccoon. Right. Have you heard of that one? I've been to his room only to find Gideon's Bible. It's Rocky Raccoon stepped into his room only to find Gideon's Bible. Oh, so he knows. It's off, it's off the way. Oh, up. yes. I do know this. Yeah. 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 So, and it was just one of these kind of odd things. Like, why did they pick Guardians of the Galaxy? And I'm not really sure exactly why Marvel picked this one. You know, it's a lot of you know, sort of opaque stuff behind Marvel's decisions. We, you know, we know I have some sort of plan, but it's hard to know what it really is. Now, you assume, of course, based off of this movie, that has something to do with all the Infinity Stones and Thanos and stuff building up. But I think this movie was also meant as sort of a gamble, because because it was separate from everything else, if it had failed, you know, they could have just kept going with all the Earth stuff. Right, right. Well... Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, it was an opportunity for them to do something, like, very different from the main Marvel universe, and, you know, they could sort of, they could take risks with it, you know, this movie has a different tone than most of the other Marvel movies, it's it's funnier, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of, like, less serious, um, although that's not to say that it, you know, doesn't have drama, because it does, but, right. um, 
But it's, you know, it generally, you know, it sort of has a, a little bit of a different feel than a lot of the Marvel movies. Because, like, you know, they have that freedom. This is like, this is in space. It's like, it's just different people. Right. It's different settings. It's, you know, like everything's different. Um, you know, so that, that certainly gave them a lot of freedom. And I think um, it was just the confidence that Marvel had in their brand and in, like, the people they were working with. I mean, James Gunn doesn't really, you know, he's the director. He doesn't. I, he wasn't famous before I made this movie. I don't think he's pretty much a no. nobody, right? He just made some indie ones. Neither right. I don't. I haven't seen Slither, and I didn't really like Super, although a lot of people did. Like you know, I, I mean, Joss Whedon is, was a fan of his, right? But the point is, giving this movie to him was a lot less risky than, for example, giving Lord of the Rings to Peter Jackson. Um, who was also like you know kind of a small director that hadn't really done any big movies up until right, that point. Right, right. But I mean, but Lord I mean, of the Rings was like a huge tentpole franchise, and like Guardians of the Galaxy was something where they're like, well, you know, it'll probably make money, but if it doesn't, you know, we'll be okay. And if it's a success, then great, you know. But it's sort of like they're not. I mean, they might have been financially invested in it to some degree, but they're not. Um, it's it's not in the sense that like you know if if like a Captain America movie bombs or if like an iron man movie bombs you know then like that could be a problem for them like when the avengers comes out you know like everything's sort of tied together and like if it you know this doesn't hurt marvel's brand if it had failed if it had been bad it wouldn't have hurt marvel's brand in the same way right that's that's really where it's a low risk it's not it's not a huge risk for their brand okay yeah I, I, I see that it is interesting though because they had some pretty high profile actors they had a bunch in oh yeah there. plenty you know oh a lot um, yeah, you know, which which was interesting, but it is interesting that they push this thing that people most people don't even know about Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't. Most people didn't. No, and it's just this thing they put in. It's kind of like they're just expanding the world, which is which is cool. You know? Well, it's I, a, I, it's also yeah. a way of doing an origin story without an origin story because I think that's part of the the gamble too, which is you know at this point they've had to have origin stories to sort of introduce people to characters. But right. I think part of this was, well, let's see if we can manage to have an origin story that isn't even really an origin story. Like, it is in terms of we see how the team gets together, but it isn't in that we don't see really that much. I mean, we see a little bit of Quill, but we don't even see that much of it. You know, that with the right. time skip, we just sort of, it's basically some background for his character. We don't see how he got to where he is. I think, I think this movie made a specific artistic choice not to focus on, you know, things like um, character introductions, you know, in the way that, like, a lot of the earlier Marvel movies did. You know, this was more focused on, like, here are the characters, we're just going to jump right in, and, like, you'll sort of figure it out as yeah. we go along. Yeah, you know? yeah. Mm -hmm. they, were fully they were kind of fully formed as characters in a lot of ways, and it's more like if you're going to think about like a character in a movie going through a shift or a transformation, it was more the group went through a transformation. I mean, each person sort of went through a transformation, but it was more the, the cohesive unit that went through the, the transformation. See what right, I'm saying? Exactly. Right, exactly. It, it was more about the group coming together than about, like, yeah. you're going to learn who this character is, and you're going to learn who that character yeah. is. You know, it's yeah. more like they just kind of threw the characters at us, and, like, because they hadn't met each other before, like, we met them as the other characters were meeting them, which is mm -hmm. kind of a cool yeah. dynamic. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. so there's a new rumor that's been going around, which is the new movies for Marvel are going to be in media res. In media res? 
not origin means. stories anymore. Um, what? Oh, in, in medias res is a Latin term that I forget what it literally means, but it basically in, means like starting the story in the middle yeah, rather than in the beginning. It means in the middle of things. Like, like, yeah, like it's it's usually used when people talk about like epic poems. That's one of the characteristics of an epic poem is that it it starts the story right in the middle, and then like later it goes back and like explains what was happening beforehand. So, uh, okay, and so and I'm, like, but what I'm curious about, Jeremy, is like when you say that like Marvel movies are going to be like that in the future, like, I mean, they've already introduced most of the characters, so like, well, yeah, but what's they the, they you know, had why are is that, um, you know, uh, surprising. Well, no, I mean that's sort of why it's interesting, and why is it surprising? So let's look at sort of what happened. I mean, the Hulk they didn't, but that's sort of unnecessary. You know, Captain America, I feel like didn't a lot of these characters were they sort of like, well, we need to explain. The backstory, you know, we saw how Iron Man and Captain America and Thor sort of where they came from, right? And so this new movie that's going to be coming out, which is Doctor Strange, is going to not be an origin story. He's already going to be Doctor Strange when the movie starts. Okay. Okay. At least they're, they're trying to they're trying to move it forward. Yeah, it's it's a little bit pretentious to to use the term. In Medias Res, just refer to a movie that's like not an origin story. Like, in Medias Res actually means something more specific than that. Well, I mean, like, yeah, specifically that, like, the movie starts in the middle of the plot. Yes, uh, but I, it could be that also. I think, at least that's but, what but, the, a rumor but is. But the, the, the epic poem, like, sort of, um, the epic poem comparison actually kind of is apt for this because they're doing a whole, the whole universe. I mean, it's kind of a big epic poem of the entire. Of the arc of the universe with whatever they're doing with the Avengers and all, all that shit. Right. Well, also so. think about it, compare it to some other things. So, Man of Steel was an origin story, but it's not like we didn't already know who Superman was. So right. this was, it, it was sort of their new take on an origin story. Right. And, and because I, you can't, I guess they felt like because it was a reboot, you can't do a reboot without telling the origin because otherwise it doesn't feel like a reboot. I, I mean, right. that was their thinking. I'm not saying that's necessarily justified. And yet... But, um, but I assume that's what their thinking was. Now, Fenjo, remember when we saw The Amazing Spider-Man? Yeah. It was it's another origin story. And a lot of it, right. it was like, it just seems like it was repeating Spider-Man 1 and 2 yeah. at the same time. Plus some yeah. Spider-Man 3 thrown yeah. in there, too. Again, because it's, because it's a series reboot. And, like, if you do a reboot and you don't do the origin over again, then it, it just feels like a sequel. Yeah, but, you know, I think if they had done that, it might have worked better. I mean, Batman did the same thing, right? When they that was a Batman, difference. they yeah, did Batman well, Begins, which but, was the origin of Batman. But and that was actually the first movie that really got into the origin of Batman, right? The original Batman... Exactly. I, I don't remember. The original Batman, he didn't just decide to become Batman, right? He, he, had al- he was already Batman? That's right. I don't remember. Yeah, no, no, you're right. right. So that's what I'm saying. You know, because Batman Begins did this, other right. people are copying it. But I'm yeah, saying just because Batman Begins did it. I think it's because Batman Begins started this trend of rebooting, you know, existing com- properties. Ex- existing properties. Yeah, but that's my Jeremy point. Look at the first Batman. It didn't start with an origin story. Right. You guys are yeah. saying the same thing. Yeah. So sure. I'm saying yeah, we are. We're agreeing. Yeah, I'm saying <laughs> we're you know, just like disagreeing about like a very minor thing. Right, well, whatever. We're basically agreeing. So <laughs> let's get into this movie. You know, it's interesting when I sort of l- notice all the different people who are in it. 
because obviously there's some people who, you know, I know that other people aren't going to recognize. I mean, like, say, you know, Peter Serafinovich. Right. Oh, wait, who was he? He don't re- you don't remember he was there? No, no, I know he was. Who did he play? He played one of the Nova guys. He, oh, don't you remember he died? Yeah. He was killed. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You right. know, remember he said, "I, for the record, I voted against you." Yes. Right, yeah. and then at the end, you know, he yells out "Rocket" before he dies, which is why, is it, why? Why does he do that? Because you know. It's sort of demonstrating that it's sort of like a very kind of, well, I shouldn't say human because he's not a human, but a kind of human reaction to, like, he's dying and he's sort of, sort of like, calling out to Rocket already. Who, oh, who, oh, yeah, 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 I got it. Right. Yep. Yeah, it was sort of sad that, you know, he's not going to be at, back for the sequel because he's great. Right. But right. what are you going to do? At least Cruella, at least Cruella de Vil will. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, that see, that's something else interesting. So I rewatched the trailer, and an yeah. enormous amount of the trailers, at least the official one, is not in the movie. For example, there's a line that says they call themselves the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is not in the movie. Which is not in the movie because they don't. Except at the very end. Except at yeah. the very end. No, no. The, well, no, not that. He calls them that. Your Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's sort of like it's. They like, said like it, like I said, yeah. But there's no. I'm saying there was in the in the trailer. John C. Riley is saying they call themselves the Guardians of the Galaxy. You know that. You know, oh, right. oh, but that okay, obviously okay. that's from like a different version of the script. I assume one. Like, well, I don't think so. I think it was intentionally. They intentionally filmed extra stuff. Yeah. And then, but it wouldn't put that make into sense the at that point because they hadn't even met each other yet. Well, this is. Yeah, I know. So how could they call themselves something? They aren't a team. And then there's another thing where Glenn Close says. Are you telling me that the lives of 12 billion people are in the hands of these criminals? Again, not in the movie. Right. I'm just saying it's kind of interesting. I don't know if that stuff was filmed specifically for the trailer or if it was extra stuff that they, you know, didn't include and then just use it for the trailer. By the way, it's just interesting, and I was actually glad because I don't like the trailer to spoil me on movies. Right. And... I think in this case it didn't really happen that much. In fact, even like if you well, I was I guess So we, what you're saying is you prefer the trailer to lie to you and mm-hmm. show you stuff which actually isn't in the movie. Yeah, cuz I like no, to I be just, surprised. I would just I would just prefer that it just it just gave sort of vague hints. Yeah. No. <laughs> things. I just way. want the like the teaser trailer that like doesn't show you anything. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if I don't know anything about a movie, it might be good. I mean, it really was the original Guardians of the Galaxy trailer originally, like a year ago or whatever, that that got me interested in it, which I think happened with a lot of people. But it, it um, yeah, yeah, and that you know that was kind of interesting. How I early just on. something just sort of occurred to me of also maybe the point of them doing Guardians of the Galaxy was to a certain degree is because they're like a band of outlaws, and the other ones are they're kind of a band of good guys. In, in one aspect or another. I mean, they have their flaws. But you know what I mean? Like, this is like a team of like outlaws who are kind of still selfish in their, in their way. But they're, you know, they're not necessarily heroic. Uh, right. Like the well, yeah, they're all anti-heroes. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. Which I think is one thing people identify with. Um, I think, if you guys don't mind, I, like, I think we should talk about things we liked or didn't like about it. Because I, I wanted to point out some things. Okay, definitely. Um, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, right, I guess sort of 
negatives and things like that, um, I'll just go with that first. Because overwhelmingly, I, I had a positive experience with it. Negatives, first thing is, the big battle, whatever. I mean, it wasn't bad. But these big, drawn-out battles, like, I think it's, I think they're difficult to do well. And I think, I don't know if they do it as a filler. I just think they kind of have to do it. You know, you have to do it in these movies. Which which part? You mean, like, the spaceship battle? Yeah, the spaceship battle. Like, there were, there were some cool parts. Like, I guess the whole net thing, that was kind of cool. Yeah, I thought the net thing was cool. It's different cool. from, like, most kind of space battles that you see. Well, yeah, right. it, it wasn't was part of getting the theme of them all working well, together, yeah. and also and, it, and, it wasn't you know. in space; it was actually in an atmosphere. Right, right. So, like, I mean, that was kind of cool, but there's just all this other stuff. That I think sort of that impact was kind of lost. Like, I think you know, to, to a certain degree, I, I don't think it was poorly done. It was just a lot of explosions and fighting, and I didn't really know what was going on for some of it. And then eventually, I found what was going on. I was like, nah. You know, of course, they're gonna have things exploding and everything falling down, and then they're gonna have a battle on the ground. You know. That stuff. Um, so I thought I thought that could have been done a little bit better. Um, I also, um, I mean, that that that, that might have primarily that might have primarily been it. Like, like I, I think I think I think that was my main my main issue with it. Um, there's also the kind of this this thing about like I didn't feel like Nova Corp. Like I really knew who they were. Whether it was really clear, like you know, uh, like why they were good or anything like that. So I don't know if they did a lot of good explanation about that, but that wasn't such a big deal. Now, in terms of things that I liked, um, one thing in particular, like, besides the fact that the ensemble was great, like, you know, the, the acting was really good, um, I think that, that goes without saying, um, I, I liked how they did Ronan. Like, I think they did a legitimately good job of making him kind of a, a frightening, um, frightening villain, and it seemed like he legitimately would do all these things, even though he, there's like a cartoonish element to almost any sort of, like, like super villain. Um, I think he pulled off well. Like people were gen- like you saw how people were genuinely afraid of him, and how he was pretty uh, pretty ruthless. And even though Thanos sorta undermined him at times, I didn't feel like that meant that Ronan like now had his power taken taken away. Like it just seemed like he was this this fanatical guy. So I thought I thought that was that was really well done. Um, and then I was also just really happy about Batista's uh, performance. I was, I was <laughs> I thought that was great. I was so happy, and I didn't even realize. I didn't realize until later on in the movie, I was like, oh, right, Batista's in this movie. I think he just, <laughs> he nailed that role, like, perfectly. And, um, and then Bradley Cooper, like, I knew he was in, and I thought he played the raccoon. But, but then I was thinking about it, I was like, I really can't really hear, I could sort of hear his voice in it. But that, he did a really good job with the voice acting for that. Like, it didn't really sound like his voice. So, anyway, those are the main things that I, that, that, that I liked. You know, it's interesting. I want to talk about some of that stuff. Um, in particular, um, the uh, the whole dynamic between Thanos and Ronan, where you were saying like Thanos kind of undermines Ronan a little bit, but in a way that almost makes Ronan scarier because like it right. shows you that he's really he's just a bully with a chip on his shoulder, which right. makes him dangerous. Like right. Thanos, exactly. Thanos wasn't dangerous in this movie because he he was he had his mind on other things. Like he wasn't concerned with this this stuff, but like Ronan was trying to show you know, what a big bully he was, which meant that he was going to do, you know, really, like, he was going to, he was going to kill people. He was right. going to just, like, destroy worlds and stuff. Like, well, he's well, trying to prove how badass he is. And I that th- makes him dangerous. Well, I think there was more to, to it than that. I mean, I, so I've seen this movie twice, and to me it seems kind of clear what his motivation is, which is that, no, I mean, I, I mean he's, a, yes. he's a fanatic, but that's part of it also, is that he kind of gets off on fear from other people. You know, and yes. his whole thing is, you know, I need to, he's hung up on the past, on the history. 
you know, which is not exactly like, I think it's actually, there's some prescience, or not even prescience, I think there's relevance in the modern world even with that for right. sure. You know, the right. idea about, yeah, yeah, we have a really complicated history, and even if things are peaceful now, it's not, some people don't want it to be peaceful. And that's but sort of, I, you know. What I'm saying is that, like, his his interaction with Thanos didn't undermine that. If anything, it strengthened it. Right, right. Well, yeah, I'm because... Just saying, Thanos was saying stuff like, I'm, I, I'm saying it, it didn't un- undermine him, but I'm saying, like, it could have, you know, Thanos was like, you've proved yourself to just be a boy and, and all that stuff. Like, it could have, you know, that could have been something that would undermine him. Yeah, lot, I but, know some people didn't like Thanos, but I kind of like that interaction. Yeah. I thought yeah. the the particular music they used in that scene, the low bass and bassoons, like, as he's turning around, like, bum, bum, yeah. bum. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was done very well. Yeah. And... Uh, Josh Brolin is the guy who does the, who did the motion capture and voice, and he's got a you know I like the oh, Josh Brolin did he, it yeah so oh, he, he, it wasn't um there wasn't what's his name who well no uh, it wasn't but who are you Wesley. thinking of oh no no he did the 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 vizier or whatever the the guy that was his assistant you know the oh, guy's okay. like don't talk to Thanos that way you know that guy. Right. He sounded. I, I thought he sounded like the emperor, you know, the Star Wars emperor. Yeah, I, 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 I wonder if they were trying there, to do that. There were clearly like some, some well, little sure. nods to Star Wars. Oh well, yeah, of course. He like Ronan is a little bit of Vadery and with the Thanos. Oh yeah, because right, even the beginning when he's like putting on everything. You know yeah, what I mean? of course. Oh, there's a whole lot of that yeah, kind of stuff. And like when Thanos' face appears on, the, or not Thanos, the other guy, when the Vizier's right, right. face appears on the view screen, and it's like just like you know the Emperor talking to Darth Vader. Well, yeah, you know. but there's also a little bit of like Empire Strikes Back of like the Emperor sort of showing up, being intimidating but not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, and it's sort of like it's the in comparison, like Vader is really powerful. Wait, this guy's even worse. Yeah. Of course, anyway, they you know. Yeah. So there were just a couple other things I want to say about Ben. Yeah. You mentioned Bradley Cooper, so it's funny because um, I don't know if you've seen American Hustle. But, I haven't. Okay. So Bradley Cooper's performance in American Hustle and his performance in Guardians of the Galaxy are not that different. I know oh, that really? sounds really bizarre. No, no, no. I, I, but it's yeah. true. Although his voice isn't really plays the same. sort of like a, a tightly wound, excitable character who like talks really fast, and you know, like it's has like a chip on his shoulder like it's 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 a similar character so it, it, i was watching it and to me it made sense i was like yeah of course this is bradley cooper i just saw him in american hustle <laughs> right okay um now uh, in terms of my complaints about the movie things i didn't like um basically any scenes where it was just like ronan and his henchmen were like they like the the all the all the momentum in the movie would just grind to a halt and it would just be like like people with hoarse voices shouting at each other for no reason. Like, I, it was just... It, those scenes... Every, all those scenes were, were terrible. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to watch Thanos and his, his lieutenants, like, yelling at each other. Why is this even in the movie? There is no reason for it. Um, the ones... The, the, uh, not Thanos. Uh, Ronan, I mean. Mm-hmm. The scenes that had Thanos, I thought, actually were cool. But, but Ronan specifically. Uh, yeah. Anyway. That was just like... It's like, why, why is this... Like, this isn't funny. This isn't, you know... <laughs> so that I didn't like. Um, other than that, I really have very few things that I can point to to say like that I didn't like about the movie. Like, it, yeah. I think you made a decent point about Novacore. Like, we don't really know who they are or like what they stand yeah. for. Or, you know, um, yeah. Like, well, is it just one planet or is it like a whole alliance of planets or I, like what's the story? Like, yes, you know, 
What who what who are they? Who do they represent? I think it's they? well. Okay, so I think we can actually pick up a lot of that just by inference. You know, by looking at how things are on that planet, the Xandar, you know, the which is the capital, right? Planet of the Nova people. You know, just looking at how sort of like it's bright, it's cheery, it's very diverse. Right. You know, people. Mm-hmm. You know, Stanley is like flirting with people. Right. Of you know, they have a the sign of a flourishing civilization. <laughs> Stanley. Stanley hitting on chicks. Yeah. yeah, and also in comparison, you know, now was it the bestly done? But maybe not. But I mean, like we're basically they're talking about how Ronan has basically destroyed, you know, other colonies and he's killed children. Of, yeah. of the you know, Zandarian children elsewhere, he wants to destroy their culture. Right. And yeah. you know, at one point, I thought it was, there was one scene I kind of liked in which Nova Prime was talking to some Cree representative, like an official government guy. She's like, you know, at least give a. <laughs> He's like, can you do something? No. <laughs> She's like, at least can you give a strongly like we don't agree with what he's saying. And he's like, mm, that's your problem. Yeah, <laughs> and that was like it. <laughs> right, and it was actually I felt like it was you know it it was pretty good because I feel like there's a little bit of it is a peace treaty but you know they don't really like each other. Uh-huh. It seems like the right. peace treaty is a relatively recent thing, and you know this guy's like I don't have to. And maybe he's one of these like I kind of agree with what Ronan's doing, but I can't officially agree. Right. I guess right. Um, one other complaint that I do have is. I thought that like Gamora's character, she didn't quite have as much development yeah. as some of the as the other characters. I agree. Yes, and like that, I agree was, with. It was like a little too easy. Like you know, Quill is like seducing her, and she's like, "No, I don't want your pelvic sorcery, pelvic sorcery, pelvic or whatever." Sorcery. Right? <laughs> um, which was funny, but it was also like. Uh, come on, she she like clearly like wanted to be seduced a little bit. Like I don't know, it seemed it seemed like a little out of character for her. Why? And um, well, just like I mean, I guess you know if they had developed her more, they could have sort of explored yeah. the idea of like you know she was just raised as this like you know emotionless uh, assassin. Okay, and, so like, now she's like trying to learn how to like be a human being. I think of. that that's so they they were like hinting at that, but they it, didn't yeah. they didn't really you know give it to us. Um, in a way that that I thought was satisfying, right? Well, I think um, that, also, that's part um, of it. The also, other her her sister, whose name I can't remember, was Nebula, Nebula, maybe Nebula. So Nebula, like I thought, was barely in it, and and could have been a very interesting character, and yeah. we could have had like more from her as well. So that was a little disappointing. Um, and maybe she'll be in the sequel. I don't know. <laughs> well, on rewatching it, you know, there was a few things that sort of stood out to me that didn't work as well. And one of them was when Gamora just basically says, you know, I've, well, no, I just, I was there to betray Ronan. And I felt like it was like, oh, okay. But I, w- I wanted to see a little bit, hear a little bit more about that. Because part of it is that we didn't really get a good enough backstory with her. Right. We didn't, we barely knew we didn't who she see... was. And she was already telling us that she wasn't right. that person. Like, I'm saying, yeah, it was it just wasn't, it's like, there are things that could have been interesting. Like, like, it's like, what was she? Was she a, a warrior woman? Like, was she... They didn't really show her kicking that much ass. I mean, they, yeah, I think that was another bit. problem. It, there wasn't enough yeah. of that. Another thing yeah. that... Well, I, thought, I thought she pretty clearly kicked ass. Like, yeah, yeah, but, but I'm saying, but, but saying even her faults or whatever, like, it wasn't really clear yeah. where her faults were. And, I mean, th- this is nitpicky. Like, I think, I, think, I think it was still fine. Like, it still worked out. It's just... That was just one thing in particular. 
Well, another thing is that, like, with a later point, you know, near the at the end of the movie, when you know, I said, "Oh, well, it turns out you're like half alien." It's like, well, okay, you just sort of yeah. said that when they said, "Yeah, we have." We were, uh, it's a good thing we didn't deliver him to his dad. Yeah, that guy's a dick. You know, I was like, okay, that's funny, right. but I feel like the implication is already kind of obvious. Maybe my guess is that. There was a little bit of studio interference in a few Wait, places. With the, the line about, it's a good thing we didn't deliver him to his dad. Yeah. Didn't that come at the end, after they had said that he wasn't totally human? No, it was right before that. Well, okay, I mean, you saw it twice, so you would probably remember better. Yeah, but I, thought, he I gives, thought that line actually came afterwards. No, what happened was, he gives the, the stone to Yondu. Right. They leave, and he's like, yeah, you know what? I guess it's all right that we didn't deliver Quill to his father like we were hired to, you know, 22 years ago. That yeah, <laughs> that guy's a, a real prick anyway. Right. And, and then they go into to talk to to give the stone to the Nova people, and you know she says something like, "Yeah, there's something weird, something ancient that you're like unknown to us. Maybe that's why you were yeah, able to hold like on." Throw in there. I feel like that was just kind of thrown in. Well, that's what I'm saying. It can't work. It was I, like, uh, I think it was like. I feel it's like the kind of thing like a studio person didn't understand the story. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, can we can we make it a little bit more clear that his dad was like this? And it's like, all right, fine. It just it was definitely like it seemed like an after the fact type of thing. Like, let's put oh, this yes. in there to make it a little bit. That, that seems like a pretty minor complaint, though. Yeah, right. Totally. Well, I agree with that. But part of it, I, I didn't really. I actually thought that Nebula had a pretty good appearance just because she had like a cool presence so I, I i did like kind of how that was working out at least from the perspective of a character even if we don't really know anything about her but on the, you know on the other hand she's alive so right. that leaves a plenty of fighting for the next one oh you, you, um sorry, sorry to interrupt this is kind of off and river i also just realized i didn't mention how i liked how merle dixon was in it it was pretty cool. <laughs> you mean, uh... <laughs> you he mean Michael Rooker? played Merle Dixon, but he, Michael he did Rooker? a good job with it. Well, I haven't seen Walking Dead, but I knew who Michael Rooker was already. Yeah, I loved how, also, like, how he did the same thing. All these boys never ate a terror before. <laughs> 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 and I loved how, as he was repeating that, he's like, all right, all right, you've been saying the same threat for 20 years. <laughs> Normal people don't eat each other. <laughs> also, they they did a good job with his um with his what's it called with his weapon because it, it what was cool about it is that how they did the music every time with it is that like there was this real fear over his weapon even though there were all these big gigantic weapons going on people with gigantic powers through the whole thing like it, you still they still managed to like like show like some fear about the uh the whole the whole about his uh, particular weapon. And, and it actually paid off well. Like you're like, okay, that is actually a, a pretty serious weapon. And you can see how he actually is probably an effective outlaw. So I thought that was cool. A Ravager. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind Ravager of Ravager cool. is, the, is the politically correct term. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Oh, it's not a Merle Dixon. Yeah, so... There, there, I mean, I thought that was kind of a cool thing. But I also wanted to talk about Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, and, you know he had like a short thing, but I, I I like what he was doing. You know, he had this great little moment where when when they open up the stone for the first time, he says like beautiful, 
<laughs> just like he does a great like weird thing with his arms. And then when I rewatched it, I noticed that after he gave like his whole little spiel about like you know the ancients and you know everyone who tries to use it was destroyed. And then Rocket says like, "Well, that was so fascinating," and he does the same thing with his hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so there are a lot of like little things in the background in that scene. You know, there was a, a dark elf from Thor. There was one of those aliens, Satari, from the Avengers. You oh, know, yeah, I miss a lot of stuff. Yeah, I was really paying attention to that. You know, obviously, uh, and then you know, <laughs> well, Howard the Duck was there too, plus the dog. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I didn't see Howard the Duck until the end. And the, the you know the final this after the credit scene. Yeah, well, that, that was kind of. <laughs> I was uh, sort of taken aback by that kind of thing. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, I eh, I, I was actually a little disappointed. I well, mean, I guess it was like cool if you know who Howard the Duck is, and I vaguely know who Howard the Duck is, but it yeah. just wasn't like it wasn't as as amusing as like a lot of the end end credit scenes often are. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, what other end credit scene can, can you think of? The Avengers? The that's, Avengers? Yeah. That was the great. one in the Avengers that is really the, the pinnacle. The, yeah, but yeah. that's the only other one that I think was amusing and didn't set up something. All the other ones have been, like, doing, like, oh, here's something for the next thing. Right, but that's and, cool. Well, yeah, I guess, but this one, you know, it was just by itself. Just like yeah. a joke. So, Rob Zombie actually played the voice of the Ranger computer. The Ravager computer, I should say. Really? And when I listened, when I watched it again, it was a little obvious. So I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely his voice. Do you remember the dog? Which dog? Um, the dog, remember? There's a dog that in the collectors that escaped. Oh, and the one was, with, the, with the, like, space helmet? Yeah, so apparently that's like a real Marvel character, Cosmo the space dog. Of course dog. it is. He was a Russian dog that gains, you know, telepathy and... Yeah, mentally speaks with a Russian accent. And hates the <laughs> capitalist pigs. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> I, it's just, you know, I, it's kind of funny. But, so it's interesting for me to think about, like, how music was used in this movie. So apparently the way, you know, James Gunn added it in was he sort of put in the, the music into the scenes in advance before anything was cleared. So it wasn't like put in after the fact as part of the score. No, it was sort of he wanted it to be there for thematic reasons. How do you think you're talking about like not the not the score, but the um the, the songs. Right. Because he wanted it to be a sort of a specific He already theme knew what meaning. songs he wanted to use. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Um wait, like what do you mean, just opinion of, of doing that? Like, yeah, how do you think it worked out in terms of how he used the music? Oh, no, right? I mean, I, I think that, it that was... was, one of the really, that was uh, this is what everyone says also, too, but it's one of the strong points of the movie, one of the big, yeah, best things. for sure. It's, it's good. I mean, like, oh, the beginning, it was great, how, like, you know, he was on this crazy planet and all that stuff, and then, he, then he, you know, he puts on that song. Like, I don't know. It all, it all worked. <laughs> yeah, that was a great opening sequence, you know, because it you know, has, the like, the creepy score, doom, 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 right. doom. And then it's just like, come and get your love. <laughs> yeah, I also yeah. thought it was interesting how, um, like, 
there's like this little like rat creature that runs at him and he kicks it. Um, <laughs> that, that, was, that was interesting to me specifically because um, there is this trope um, which is often used. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, there's this trope which is often used in movies to establish who like the good guys are and the bad guys are, and it's you know like pet the dog or kick the dog. Right, yeah. um, because in in a lot of movies nowadays, you have all these antiheroes, yeah. and uh, you know, and like sometimes it's hard to tell who's the good guy and who's the bad guy because they both kind of do exactly the same thing. So the difference is the good guy is the one that like is nice to animals, and the bad guy is the one that's mean to animals. Now this is totally yeah. different from like Bond villains and having cats and petting the cats. That's like that's that's an entirely different thing. Um, right, right, right. But uh, but usually if you saw a character assault an animal like that for no reason that would be a sign that he's the bad guy um especially when he's like already kind of a uh, you know morally gray anti-hero character like quill so i thought it was an interesting artistic choice that like one of the first things we see him doing is kicking an animal granted it's like kind of like a ratty ugly looking creature it's not like a cute creature but True. even so um you know they're basically it's, it's, saying it's, it's, like look he's the bad guy because sort he's of this animal sort of sort, sort of but it, but it also attacks him that, that's it's, the um, I, got from they're, I think they're like playing i think that was like a deliberate attempt to sort of like it's like a nod to the whole yeah trope, yeah i, I, I know, see that, that the, the whole concept of it that's fair yeah so that was that um, was interesting to me yeah yeah it's pretty funny from that perspective now yeah you know it's just interesting how a lot of this stuff is set up because they all sort of have different roles, but it's not like the typical archetype because basically they all represent different kinds of comedic characters. You know, whereas like Gamora is more like the straight person, but right. she's more like the only straight person. Right. Maybe that's why she didn't seem as interesting. Well, yeah, but you also need someone to be a straight person. Otherwise, no, you... it's not, it's not going to work as well. And also, sometimes it worked. Or, like, you know, straight woman in her case. Yeah, but especially, but, but let, yeah. let me give because you... Because the straight man, like, all the wacky characters get to, like, play off the straight man. And, you know, that's like a dynamic in comedy where, right. you know, if everyone's wacky, then, like, it's, you know, you well, don't get any of those, like, humorous, like, sort of dry moments. So, the one of the, so, so there's a, a few places I thought, like, it really worked with her. For example... There was this nice touch when he like puts the headphones on her, and she sort of yells. It's like it's it has it's it's fairly pleasant. Yes, yes, and she yeah, says it like, really loudly. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, or you know, where when at the end where he's like, we you know their hero is like just like Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, the, the kind of thing that that worked very well. And if she wasn't like you know, sort of that kind of straight laced person that would yeah, or like that line you know when um when they're all like trying to escape from the prison and um you know uh and drax is like taking everything literally and they're like rolling their eyes and, you know and she says she has that line she's like i'm gonna die here surrounded by idiots so she said right? like, the biggest idiots in the galaxy the biggest idiots in the galaxy that's right <laughs> and that's like like you need like this straight straight person to like deliver like that kind of you know like dry understated line that was like one of the funniest lines in the movie yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the whole Star Lord thing is one of the things I thought was really great is the reveal of his name. Yeah, that was good. And I was like, wow, that's really great. And yeah. also because then, it, you know, when you have the great payoff, when <laughs> um, when Jim, you know, Jimon Hunsu's character, you know, the Ronin guy, 
comes in. He's like, Star Lord. <gasps> Finally. <laughs> Finally. Yes. <laughs> that was yeah. just such a great callback. It worked so well. And, you know, and I also liked how he sends the question. He's like, you know, we may be a-holes, but we're not 100% dicks. <laughs> do, you believe, do, you, do you believe him? Well, I don't think anyone can be a hundred percent dick. And then, but also, it was great because then later he says, "Oh, they got my dick message." Yes. Uh, <laughs> right. That was good. So that, and, and just, I mean, the, the comedy stuff worked out well in general. Even like with like when they when they right before they defeat Ronan, you know, oh, like that was that, too, the dance off. You're saying like Ronan sort of capitalizes on fear, right? And that's probably also what like sort of. Without it being too goofy, like it really worked out well. Like when he was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The whole yeah. So yeah, I mean, I know, like the the dance off thing at the end, because I loved it. You know, he was talking to Big Nielsen, and now you will pay for your crimes. And he's like, "Ooh, child, l- l- listen yeah. to the words, listen to the words." And he's like, "Dance off, you and me, bro." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> it was it was good. A lot of those things aren't done aren't done well. Like the like you know the 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 the, um, the whole thing where the good guy does like some sort of something goofy to distract the bad guy because I really didn't know what was going to happen next. Yeah, and that exactly. Yeah, you know. And, like, even Ronan, like, it didn't make Ronan look ridiculous. Like, it actually sort of was consistent. Because part of the thing is what jammed Ronan's, like, Ronan's radar or whatever, or, or his system for, for at least a little bit. It was just a moment. It wouldn't have lasted long. Is that normally people are just really afraid of him. So he knows how to deal with that. Right. You know, or someone's angry at him and will fight with him. But in, but in this case, he was like, what? What is going on here? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, like, when Drax attacked him, he was like, he knows how to deal with that. Yeah. Right. But yeah, this, exactly. like, what, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, no, it did, and it's it's very hard for movies like this, which try to combine action and comedy, mm-hmm. to like sort of maintain that tone. Especially like a lot of movies of this style, when you get to the the climax, then like the humor, you know, the comedy is sort of forgotten, you know, and it just becomes like action or you know sometimes like they they don't really know how to resolve the action or like to keep the comedy in. And like this right. movie was brilliant at like even in the final climactic moment, like having this like ridiculous moment of comedy, which, which worked and like, yeah. it wasn't out of place. Like it, it made sense and it was funny. And like, you know, it just, it just maintained the tone. Well, throughout yeah, not in only a way that, yeah. that is like, it's just not very easy to do. Well, not only that, but considering it leads directly into the power of friendship, saving the day, <laughs> which is like, it's the cheesiest thing yet. It like, it's like <laughs> totally works. You're like, Oh, brings like a tear to my eye a little bit here like wow that's awesome like you know when you see like rocket reaching up and it's like oh yeah. it's you know it's beautiful you know right. it works really well and 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 that it like calls back to this with him with his mother yeah. and she like you know when she's like take my hand you know like it was it was just very yeah. nicely constructed well, right so i mean i haven't even gotten, gotten to the other perspectives because obviously you know drax being the sort of literal guy were there a couple lines he said that didn't actually make sense because he shouldn't have understood them sure but right, right, it doesn't, right. you know, whatever. There, there are a couple of things he says that are like not completely literal. Yeah. So it's like whatever. You know, who cares? Yeah. But because he was able to do that, even right. one of his funniest lines when he when he's like talking about how they're all friends and he's like, "And you, Quill, and you are my friend, and you, Drax, right?" And he's like, "And you, green-skinned whore." Oh yeah. Some people <laughs> had a, like, "Shut up." 
Yeah, some Shut people right had a like, problem with like, that line. Really, if he was being literal, like he wouldn't have called her a whore because yeah. she's not literally selling herself for money. Right. You know, well, but okay, it was funny. Yeah, and so the point is, it was funny when I mean Rocket obviously you know was great because he was sort of he was like the real you know jerk. He was the real you know I don't like anybody guy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know that's I mean like for example there was the great part when. <laughs> You know, Drax is sort of like sad because you know because you know, he failed at, at killing Ronan, and then Rocket says, "Oh, boo hoo! My wife and child are dead." And then yeah. you know, Groot has the of <gasps> yes. yeah. which is, and then of course he gets into, "Yeah, we've all lost something." So it's like there was that, which is a great like mix between the comedy thing. And there are other things like where you know, obviously like that the clip I just showed you, which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Where all they're all like trying to talk about the plan. He's like, "What percentage of the plan? Twelve percent." And he's like, "He's like, oh, I am Groot. Yeah, what do you mean it's better than eleven <laughs> percent?" But then you know he says, "You know, you you're asking us to die," and he says, "Yes." And then suddenly it's like, "Okay, it's real," and you're getting into like you know serious stuff again. And she yeah. says, "You know, I." I've lived my life around my enemies. I would be honored to die among friends. It's like, wow, that's like a serious line. And he's, yeah. you know, I said, I, you know, he says, I'll be with my wife and child again. And then finally, you know, Rocket's like, you know, oh, I don't have such a long life span anyway. Yeah. You see, look, I'm standing. We're all standing yeah, in, we're a all circle, standing. in a circle. In a circle. Like a I, bunch I, of idiots. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I actually, I have an interesting uh, question. Um, do you think the I am Groot jokes, that whole joke, even though it was hilarious and, and, and well done, do you think that would have been more impactful or, le- or less impactful if if there was no Hodor, you know, at all, ever. You know what I mean? If, like, if there wasn't a Game of Thrones show. I wasn't I wasn't thinking about Hodor when I was watching that. Yeah, also, was I, but... well, it's a different kind of thing, because he he does say, I am Groot, but they don't mean the same thing. Right. Really, like, you know, so there's no one who can, like, interpret Hodor. Right, except in a certain sense. Well, like... sort of, but, yeah, I mean, in this case, you know, it was funnier, you know, when Rocket... You know, he knows what he's saying. Uh, apparently, the, yeah. It was but, pretty good. Yeah, like Wait. with Hodor. Well, he said I mean, it in different Hodor, ways. Listening to Hodor say Hodor, it's it's basically like a dog barking, right? Right. Like a dog can bark in different ways, and it might like have different emotions and trying to be communicating different things. But ultimately, like you know, it's not words. It's not it's language. Sound, right. Right. Well. Um, and this and and for Groot, the implication is that he actually like is able to convey meaning through his tone, you know, in a, in a complex way that, that Hodor, like, wouldn't really be capable of doing. Right. Um, right, right. Did, so did Groot, is Groot back to life? Like, is that... Oh, cool, sure. Like, I think the idea is, you know, since he was able to find uh, a piece and plant it... Yeah, although it's also, it's sort of unclear, like, is that going to be the same Groot? Or right, is it, like, right. a different person now? Like, we don't know. Well, I but, assume he's going to ha- I mean... We don't really know how it works, but I think he's yeah. going to be similar. Yeah. But, I mean, I think Vin Diesel also did a great job there, mm-hmm. you know, as the voice. Right. You know, apparently he did many, many different takes. Yeah. I, I saw an interview where he was talking about it. It's weird, because one thing, like, he really basically didn't work with the other actors at all. Like, the whole movie was pretty much made, and then they, like, got him to do the voices afterwards. Um, right. But he also was talking about it. He's like, so I only say these three words... So, like, I expected to walk in there and just, like, be there for five minutes and, like, say it 12 times and then leave. But it was, like, 
you know, 50 pages of script that I was recording, you know, basically saying the same words, but like with all this sort of like subtle, um, yeah. you know, these like different, um, you know, like, like how he was supposed to say it in this way or that way, or like all the things that he was supposed to be thinking when he was saying it, you know, so yeah. they, they put a lot of effort into the recording sessions with him. He's also said that he used part of him dealing with uh, the death of Paul Walker as a way of bringing out emotion in his performance. Mm. You know, because obviously, you know, those guys were very good friends. Yeah. And he died in, you know, very close to when they started, you know, his recording. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I was very impressed, you know. I thought it was very, like, emotional when he sacrifices himself. Right, right. You know. There it was. That's that's the other thing about this movie that, that I think, like, the the greatest achievement of it was that it was able to balance act, not just action and comedy, but moments of real drama and emotion. Yeah. Like, at several different points throughout the movie, there were points where, it was, it, like, things got really emotional, and you're like, I'm, like, about to cry. Like, this is insane, you know, because yeah. it's like the characters are so genuine and their interactions are so, you know, like, so human and so meaningful. Like, even with the Groot, you know, and he, had, he gets his moments and everything, like, um, you know, that's... That's really, I think that's what people are going to remember about this movie years from now. You know, the fact that it really, it has these real emotions in it, which are so, so, um, you know, just, they just grip you. Mm -hmm. Even the beginning of the movie was pretty emotional. Like, the, the oh, beginning of the movie was so very emotional. I, it was like, actually rewatching it was worse. Right. <laughs> because, like, with the, uh, the, the song that they play uh, as he's, like, listening to the headphones and everything. It was like so sad. And the, and the, yeah. the kid who played him was really good. Yeah, yeah he was. I was like, was. oh, you know, and you're, you know, and then now you have to think like, wait a minute. You realize that now the grandfather, you know, he basically, he doesn't know what happened to his grandson. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of pretty bad too. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I wonder what the, I really have no idea what they're going to do in the sequel. If he's going to go back to earth you know, right. or anything. I, I imagine there's going to be something with his family and his explanation of his story. Well, I assume they're going to do something more with Nebula so, and So one his thing father. that was pointed out to me by yeah. the person that I watched the movie with was that he acts like this mixtape is so precious. You know, the one, Austin Mix number one. Right. Um, and so irreplaceable. But the fact is, like, he's never been back to Earth in the 20 years that he was he was abducted and like he could have gone back to earth any time yeah but his mom know? died yeah his mom died but like you know his grandfather was still there and like you know even if he lost the tape like he could go and get those songs again like it's not like the earth was destroyed or whatever like That's, it's, it's, it's not the songs like doesn't exist anymore the, in his mind the songs are, is not it's not the songs that matter it's the tape no i mean i i understand that but i'm just saying like like there's this sort of this idea that like you know i can never you know this is irreplaceable and you know whatever like but it's not it's not like really irreplaceable anyway well right. i mean well clearly the stuff with earth they didn't really I, I, it didn't ruin the movie it was just they didn't you know they didn't really explore that 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 much you know you didn't really have a sense of what was going on it was, it was really very much in the moment it just sort of gave some some backstory of of, of him and 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 all that so yeah um so can we, uh, if we're uh, for our last part of this, can we talk about? Can we just have like a more general discussion? As I was saying about some of the, you could say, philosophical implications of the movie and that whole thing. 
Because I think it's interesting to try to analyze superhero movies sometimes in that context. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Okay. What what so, kind of philosophical things are you talking so about? What I was thinking of is okay. I think often we've talked about this before. Often villains, for instance, will if you look at it historically, you know, villains might represent what might be some sort of cultural fear at the time. So, you know, in older Dawn of the Dead movies or zombie movies, they were much slower. And, you know, there's this whole thing. And, and also there, there were a lot of, like, doomsday sort of, um, you know, movies. Because, you know, there's the fear of the, of, of the bomb. And then the, the, the zombie thing might have been fear of Sam. I think years ago, actually, you said that kind of, you know, this fear of, like, with the whole fear of communism and everyone being the same and, and all that and being drony, like, like that was, yeah. well, fear not even communism more. It, it was more a fear of conformity, even in like American culture that like everyone yeah, had to be yeah. the same. And yeah, you know. there, there, there was that whole thing. And I was thinking like, yeah. okay. I mean, definitely, definitely like actual, like action and sort of military action movies very clearly these days talk about, you know, other countries with terrorism and things like that. I mean, that, that that's pretty. Right. That's that, that's right. very direct. But I was thinking about what well, what was the thing with Ronan? What was going on there? And I actually think it was more complex uh, in, in in a good way than 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 it, it, than it could have been because it could have been pretty simplified. But I was thinking like, so what's Ronan's thing? Ronan's thing is that he's a fanatic, like he's like a fundamentalist fanatic right. and things like right. that. And so and I and I think. I think there's some now. I'm just only saying my own opinions uh, about this. I'm not saying that this is exactly how it is. I mean, I think that in in general, we do have a way of just sort of demonizing the other and things like that in in a lot of different conflicts around the world. And so we we look at it like here are these people who are just and I'm not just talking about one thing in particular. Uh, like but we say like you know, here are these people who are really fanatic and they and they and they're just um and and they're just um. They're they're hurting people for the sake of their fanaticism, whatever they think is their fundamental belief. You know, something from ancient and and, and long ago, something like that. So, um, I I feel like that's more of what the enemy was. They were saying so. It was less of like here's someone trying to take over the world. Here's someone who's inflicting pain based on based just basically he was committing like terrorism and genocide. That's that's kind of what, what he was. It wasn't really a power thing. So yeah, I feel like that's sort of what they were going I against. So. I guess my, my other my other issue though is this idea of um they didn't they weren't too heavy handed with it. The idea of it was like, why is Nova Corps why would they be a good person why would they be good people to give, you know, the the what was the name of the stone? Infinity Stone? The Infinity Stone. Yeah. Yeah. Like why would they be good? Now once again, yeah, in superhero movies they don't do always do a lot of questioning of how the government works. I think Firefly did a good job of you know, the alliance where they weren't actually good. But, but the thing is, like, why is Novacore a good organization to give that to? Why are they, you know, not, even if they're not as bad as Ronin, why are they, why are they supposed to be good? And, 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 and why would they bring things to justice? And how would you assume all those things? So, I don't know. Maybe it was rambling a little bit. But, but these are just some of the impressions I got of, like, yeah. what Ronin oh, no. represented and the, and the questions I had about Novacore. So. I think you're saying, I think you're saying some, some important things. Yeah. And, like... Part of I, I absolutely agree. Like Ronan to me represents fanaticism combined with power, because like right. fanaticism by itself, you know, isn't that scary, and power by itself isn't scary. But when you combine them and you give the, you give fanatics who you know who aren't reasonable, who can't you can't like have diplomacy with them, you know, you can't like negotiate with them, and you give them the kind of power to be very destructive, that's where real fear and anxiety comes from in our, in our culture, in our society, because of, you know, the kind of threats that we face 
um, from terrorism or from just other sorts of like, you know, fanatic um, political movements around the world. That's mm-hmm. those that's that's what we find threatening. I think it's right. interesting. And I'm going to I'm going to kind of um, expose myself a little bit because I did not watch Man of Steel. But okay. um, from so, what I well, know of Man of Steel, it seems to me that like um, Man of Steel did not touch on that kind of like real, you know, it's the villain in Man of Steel wasn't threatening in a way that we relate to in the way that the villain in Guardians of the Galaxy was threatening in a way that we relate to. Mm-hmm. Is that now, Jeremy, you mm-hmm. have seen Man of Steel, so like tell okay, me if I'm, if I'm like, way off base or, or if this, you know, if I'm making like a valid point here. Well, it's a different kind of thing because he's more like representative of a fear of the unknown and that will our like our downfall comes to sort of because of something within us that we can't control. What do you mean within us? Because, you know, it's the fact that Superman just sort of happens to be there. And it has nothing to do with any coincidence. Oh, no, but I wasn't thinking it it had anything to do with, like, Superman and being there. And, like, you know, that probably touches on, like, the idea of, (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say like Julian Assange or something, you know, like people seeking asylum and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's sort of the opposite of it, right? Because, uh, you know, he was a, re- a, a fugitive from the United States and he was seeking asylum in Russia. Um, so maybe that's how the Russians looked at it. But like to me, you know, like, like in Superman, you have, um, or, or uh, you know, you have like it, the threat is like this powerful, like something more powerful than us. It's like an external government that just like shows up out of nowhere. And like, I don't think that's something that Americans are really concerned with. We're not afraid that like anyone is just going to randomly show up that's more powerful than us. Like, we we are the superpower. What we're afraid mm-hmm. of, you know, is like I was saying, is like in Guardians of the Galaxy, we're afraid of like fanatics who are not like rational actors. They're not governments. You know, like right. they make they make it very clear. That Ronan does right. not represent the Kree government. He's right. he's just acting on his own. Um, right. But right. he has and he, he has you know um, he's he's obsessed with destroying a planet and he has the power to do it. Um, and nobody's willing to stand up to him and stop him. You know, mm-hmm. and that makes him very scary. So right. so like I think I think Benji that you absolutely are hitting on like a critical point there and talking about like what's what the nature of his his villainy represents mm-hmm. um you know I, th- I i so i'm i'm with you on that and then you were making another point about um what, what was your second point no, novacor it's like oh, about novacor so yeah i yeah. think i think that goes back to like something that we had mentioned earlier about novacor like you know they seem to have like a free open society a diverse society you know that's that's something like they seem to be like us right like yeah, so, so, we assume they're the good guys. That's I can't say more about Novacor because well, we didn't really. Go I told you, you know, that's a lot of shorthand. Yeah, you know, exactly. That's how these things often are. You know, you use shorthand exactly. because it's you know you don't have time to go through everything else. Right, right. No, I I understand that. And you know, and you when, also, when the, I mean, you made it. Yeah. You made the good point about Firefly and the Alliance and how like the right. Alliance, you know, that sort of like turns it on its head because they like you know they look like the good guys but really you know they're not so good. 
Um, yeah, yeah. But, well, but this yeah, movie is not a corrupt government. There's at but least also that. that's a TV show versus a movie. You know, there's more right. room for nuance right. and and, and like complexity. Of course. You know, my 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 issue, and I'm not even saying they should have done this differently because it's hard once again to put in a movie, and that's not totally what they were trying to do. But part of the thing is, you know, and this is my personal belief, I don't think like fanaticism of that type that spreads happens in a vacuum and it's just there are some crazy people who just have a belief and do it usually you know places where fanaticism occurs is there's 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 something else going on there's some issues and you know and that could be related to whoever they say their enemies are or that could be related to just where they are uh, uh, like like in their actual proximity so i'm saying like i think i think also just i have an issue with this idea of like that there's just this there's just this evil that exists and even if it's just the fanaticism that there's that there's just like an evil that's there, and that should be dealt with, and and there's no reason for for them acting. Well, no, it's in that clear evil that his way. motivation was revenge. Yeah, revenge. no, of course it was. Yeah. It was. Yeah, not he a, was not. He was not just motivated by by just you know baseless hatred. He was motivated by revenge. Well, what, the revenge of what? What happened? Well, I talked. I, I talked about this when we first started. You know, this is it's a it's an like it's an old war over generations between these two groups. Who knows how it started? And almost like it's like it doesn't really even matter how it started. And uh-huh. these two back and forth are they've been fighting for who knows how long. And it's he's saying, Okay, my ancestors have died in these wars. You know, and okay. by having a peace treaty, it's like you're you know, appeasement. You're like you're or even not even this side, it's a betrayal. It's a betrayal because what about all of people that I've lost and that all of my people have lost? You know, this is, it's disgusting that you're letting it keep going. You know, when you see it like that, you know, you, you see how... Well, actually, you know, that, that does make sense. That, that, that does make sense. Yeah, I mean, okay. think about how okay. people will paint negative sides. I mean, obviously, you, you've seen it recently with, like, the Israel-Gaza stuff in particular, mm-hmm. but... That's just like, you know, how people will just automatically jump to the defense of the side they support. Mm-hmm. And I think, right. you know, it's a similar right. kind of thing. It's, it's interesting how, you know, the Cree government, like, they just signed this peace treaty, but um, then they're going to turn around they're like, well, we're not going to do anything to stop Ronan. You know, he's your problem. <laughs> like, right. because obviously, even, if, even though they just signed this treaty, like, clearly there's still, like, tensions and, right, you know, right, and like right. people who don't necessarily, you know, even even if they have agreed to have peace, that doesn't mean they've forgiven or, you know, that they're willing to side with the other party against one of their own. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like a big step. Yeah, a lot of it could be something along the lines of, well, you know, if something were to happen, you know, we'd be like, oh, it's a shame, but we didn't officially yeah. do anything. You know, so yeah. you almost feel like you could put yourself in a sort of a guilt-free perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess I guess I guess it's like um, I guess that's 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 a good point. And it, what's 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 interesting about it is that like he's um is that this was written before all the stuff that's been going on, uh, both Israel Gaza stuff and even like the Russia Ukraine stuff. So well, I mean, it's, yeah, like, it's fairly it's not kinda... about those specific scenarios, but I think yeah. in a larger sense about terrorism and like you yeah. know like Al Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. Um, you know, and just the broader sense of like, you know, the threats that America sees as like these are threatening to us, um, right, you know, right. groups that target so, us. So I guess I guess that's what is more impressive about it. Because even when we're talking about it, like at the very like in, in in what's good about it is that 
is that is that it didn't it had a more complex view of it without it just being like here are these bad guys you know right here and we're eternally good it's more of like it's more of like here here are the type of people like we've been afraid of and these sort of people exist and then how do you how do you deal with that you know also on like a larger scale and I guess part of the thing too is it's like out like you know these outlaws are helping out but they are are coming together yeah. in like the defense of like. In the defense of, I'm, like, I'm hesitating about like how political we want to get here, but like, I don't know. I'm fine. It's I'm fine interesting with how like you know, with in Guardians, like clearly, as you said, this movie was written before the the most recent flare up of, of like Israeli and, and Gaza, you know, Palestinian conflict. Yeah. But I think that you know you could sort of make this analogy where Ronan is sort of like Hamas, right, and the Creed right. government is like the Palestinian Authority, you know, and they're like. Um, you know, and, and people are saying, like, oh, you got to get rid of Hamas to, you know, stop them. And, and they got, you know, the Palestinians are like, oh, we're, you know, we can't really do anything. You're, you're on your own. You, you take care of it. You know, it's, it's sort of, there, there are some parallels there that I see. You know, it's, yeah, well, it's interesting how, how topical and how relevant it is in that sense. Well, the, the, the parallels, I think, I think have to do with, like, I think the, the 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 whole thing about fanaticism. I think I think there are the parallels there. But I mean, if if you also want to get political about it too, I think you can talk about fanaticism on both sides. You know, and oh, those yes. things and, and those things exacerbating uh, conflicts. Yes, there. You know what I mean? I mean, so I I agree. There's fanaticism what I'm saying is, but Novacorp. What I'm saying, yes, yeah, but Novacorp didn't have. What I'm saying is, Novacorp didn't have yeah. fanaticism in. That's my point. That's that's more the thing. So I'm saying is like like like. Like, well, we that, don't know that, the whole history of that conflict. Right, you know, right, we were just right. introduced to it at a very late stage. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, that is but, true. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, it's interesting they wrote about it, you know, like, that it's coming out now while all this stuff is going on, but like it wasn't as heated a year ago when they wrote it or whatever. So, I don't know. Interesting thing to go to Yeah, go I, I, I mean, so that's why it's one of those, like, well, you can't assume it's necessarily focused on a specific thing because there wasn't anything. You know, necessarily anything happening. I just feel like you can draw from the same idea and just think about it. Okay, well, there's something reflective here. But I also think, you know, yeah, there's a few little things here and there that are like, well, it's a little more sexist than it probably had to be. But on the other hand, you know, it was a very diverse cast. Yeah. And, And you know, yes, the main guy is a white guy named Chris. Just like right. Thor and Captain America, <laughs> right. Uh, right. although I think that's right. kind of a coincidence because they're all so well cast. You know, I can't really be mad about it. No, it's one of these things where obviously you know we've talked about how with comic books, one of the reasons it that, was, it's interesting. I was I was thinking about this because it's it's a very diverse cast. Yeah, but mm-hmm. most of the people of color in the cast, you don't actually see their skin, right? <laughs> I mean, you have um, Zoe <laughs> Zaldana. Yeah. Whose skin is she's she's her skin is green, you know, and you have like Batista. Dave Batista, whose like skin is all like gray and red and stuff, and you have um Vin, Vin Diesel, who's doing a voice of a tree, you know, mm-hmm. so like you don't see him, so like it's you know there's diversity, but at the same time you're like not well, really seeing true, but I mean diversity. Michael Rooker and Karen Gillum and Lee Pace are all white, right. and we don't see their skin color either. Right. Yes, that's true. Some of the people, the people that that's we true. also, I'm not saying that they're like deliberately hiding the people. Of also, color. John, I'm just saying like Sam, you know, Sam, on the you one got, hand, it's diverse, point. but on the other hand, like if you had cast white people in all of those roles, like it, it would have made no difference in terms of how we perceive the movie. 
Maybe, but I mean, the only guy, let's see. the only guy who's who's like you know a person of color that we actually like see their skin is um the, what's the guy Hansu? Yeah, Jimon Hansu. And he's a he's bad like guy. One. <laughs> he is a bad guy, but it's fine. There's nothing wrong with yeah. him being. A bad I mean, guy. I think I think these yeah. days you can't. I, I think these days it's harder to just say. To, to just say, you know, like, oh, they only cast black people as, like, bad guys or yeah, whatever. Yeah, because I, and, you know. You know, because that's not true. Of course But, um, but, but uh, yeah. Um, now, yeah, Russia. I mean, I mean, I mean, my, my point is just, like, my point is just, on the one hand, it's a very diverse cast. But on the other hand, you know, you, you, you can sort of, like, miss the diversity if you're not paying attention. Right, right. No, that's true. And also, Nova Corp, that's the other thing, too. They're all white, pretty much. Well, no, <laughs> you know? not just white. Well, the, yeah, they were aliens. Aliens. There were like yeah. people like with different. There were you know, white like, aliens. Like, yeah. Like also, Michael. Or, you know, yeah. Don't, remember, don't forget. John C. Riley, his wife is a red lady. Right. Right. You know, and in fact, we see. So I noticed on rewatching it that one of the pe- two of the people that Rocket like basically he s- stops from getting killed is the wife and child of John C. Riley. Right. Yes. Like he explicitly saves them. Yes. Not that he knows who they are. No, he doesn't, Those but, are, you know, it's kind of two people that he saves happen to be, yes, they're, they're John C. Riley's family. So, I don't and know... They are, they're not human-looking. I, I was going to say they're not human, but John C. Riley technically isn't human either. So, there is that, but there, there's also this other idea about that it isn't necessarily about just one person saving the day, but it's about people being strong together. And overcoming their weaknesses <laughs> by finding strength, you know, as part of the team. But it's pretty timeless. Like, that's, that's the good thing about it. Like, it's, it's like a timeless theme. Yeah, and that's, that's, that was one of the weaknesses of the Avengers. In that the final battle was just, you know, pew, 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 pew. Like, did we really see Captain America do any Captain America stuff? Not really. A little bit. Well, a little bit. Yes, because Cap- we did see Captain America sort of like take charge and At start like giving one orders. Point. And, we see him yeah. talk to a bunch of police officers. Yes. Right. We see right. Tony and he's like sort of like directing them. Yeah. You know, so that that does it does show that he's like he's like a leader and he's operating as part of a group of people. Right, but even the, like let me give you an example of how they screwed up Black Widow in that movie. And I know it's obviously it's few it's like you know two years later, so it's easy for me to say it, but. Her, she would have been better at sniping at people, you know, mm-hmm. hiding, and you know, shooting people from a distance where they couldn't see. Why is she out in the open with a little gun? That was stupid. I'm, I'm just um, saying. Yes, that's <laughs> but, true. All right. Well, listen. I can't. I can't like get too upset over it. No, but I don't but, know. Uh, I just think in this case, you know, things work together a lot better. You and know, they pe- were. I mean, they were all like communicating during that battle and sometimes they were saying like okay you go over here or i'm gonna handle this or something like they were talking to each other while right. they were doing it it's a different also thing because it was just like a large scale battle as opposed to you know a specific plan and i and also like part of it was like the idea that they were kind of just like okay we're gonna wing it we're just gonna like do our thing you know hulk smash you know <laughs> right well i think <laughs> I, I, one of the things that I like about this movie is that it's sort of, you know, further making it okay to, you know, like weird or nerdy things. Because this is a weird movie. I mean, yeah. They, so it, so here's the thing about that, actually. I, you know, I'm just going to cut you off for a minute. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. We, in, one of, in one of our last podcasts, 
Um, we were anticipating the movies of 2014 and talking about what we think will be the nerdiest movie of 2014. And Guardians of the Galaxy was brought up. I think I brought, I might have brought it up for someone. Right. Um, as a potential nerdiest movie of 2014. And right. that seemed reasonable at the time. But now, if you look at how successful it is, it's almost like too successful to be nerdy. Right? I don't like that. Well, I see, I see I what you're I mean, saying. It's like it's, it's got this crossover appeal where, you know, if everyone likes something, then it's not really nerdy anymore. I mean, maybe Star Wars, you could say. It's still nerdy. Yeah, Wars, I don't know about but, that. Uh, <laughs> it's still a very obscure comic title. I mean, the comics, yes. But I'm saying this movie, like millions of people are watching this movie. Yeah, well, mid like four hundred twenty million worldwide right now. Yeah, and it's still—I mean, you still have you know a guy in a floating throne, a dog in a spacesuit, you know, a giant floating head in the middle of space that's turned into a mine. But that's the thing, like Marvel. What Marvel is doing is Marvel is taking nerdy things and making them just mainstream. That's yeah. that's it's kind of really. True. Really, in, a, in you know, in a broad sense, like that's what they're trying to do, and they're succeeding. Right. And, like Guardians of the Galaxy is pretty far out there, and it's it's pretty impressive that they were able to do that. But you know, it's it's hard to call this movie like a really nerdy movie. <laughs> in a sense, it's it, almost like you know, I'm just saying it's like too popular. It's uh, too, all right. So, it's see, now we're getting it, now we're getting into that whole can something be nerdy if it's popular? Right. And I think. Uh, I, thought, I, I think, think we've can, I think but, we've already but I see Sam's point. Like I, we've I, already I, said that you know there's a difference between popular and mainstream because at this point maybe it will become something where you know the kids who watch Guardians of the Galaxy will start be thinking of like you know Groot or Rocket as opposed to you know Star Wars characters or something. But at this point, it's not really that mainstream. I feel like it's pulled into mainstream. I mean, what do you think is a nerdier movie of this year? Do you think X-Men is? Oh. Um no, maybe. No. No. It's very it's a, it's so formulaic. It's just another time travel movie. It just happens to have mutants in it. Yeah. You know, Captain America, t- you know, 2, it wasn't even that nerdy either because it was just a spy thriller with Captain America in it. Yes, right. this was just, you know, a space adventure. You know, it's just a friend, you know, an adventure adventure that happened to be in space. But it's just that how weird it was. It had, you know, the, the the ability that people had to actually watch this, I think, was impressive because it had such a, you know, I mean, I just think it's hard to get into this kind of thing. Well, huh? that's, that's the, really the achievement of the filmmakers to take something that is weird. Like, I'm with you on that. But just to take something that's weird and make it accessible. Um, you know, with, with humor, with a comedy, because it is so funny and the characters are so appealing that, like, you know, it is. It is accessible. Okay, so what's nerdier? Under the skin? I mean, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 because people didn't like it as much? <laughs> no, and I think you bring up a good point, too, because it's like, is it, like, what is it? Something, is something supposed to be bad? To be, I know you're not saying that, but, but to be nerdy, or is it just it has to focus on other on other things and like maybe not have a typical formula. This, this goes to back to like you know, yeah. like a couple of years ago when we first started doing these podcasts, and we were talking about like you know what is the definition of nerdy, um, you know, and like one thing, one thing that to me, you know, it seems to me that like in order to be nerdy, something has to have like a 
in a sense, like a, a to some degree, a limited appeal. You know, if it's if it okay. appeals to everyone, then it isn't nerdy. That's like you know, and and granted, I understand like you know, Star Wars is like pretty you know has pretty much mass appeal, but yeah, um, I think that's the exception though. Like, uh, there's not I see too what, much I see else what you're there. saying, Sam, but I think that's a subset of nerdiness. I I, I look remember we talked about it more as being like a an obsession and getting into the world of something like, you know, I don't know, but I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's uh, whatever. Maybe so, but I mean, so say, can you even think of something? Can I think of something that's nerdier that came out this year? Yeah. Wait, we're not, wait, wait, we're not having that podcast yet. That's the end of the year. Yeah. Have, that's, that's our, when that's we our year in review. I know, but year in review. we talked about yeah. this before and we sort of thought that it might be the Hobbit. Right. You know, because and it's yeah. still, but, but it's, it's still been my so thing. disappointing in general as a series that. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's too bad to be nerdy. Maybe we'll see how the last one is. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, really didn't like the second one. Well, I mean, I guess you could call the you know video games the movie. Maybe that's the nerdiest movie of the year because it's a documentary about video games. So maybe that's the nerdiest thing. I I don't know why you're so consumed with like identifying the nerdiest movie of the year. No, because right I'm now. saying I was talking about my whole point was that it was making ma- more mainstream acceptance of nerdy material as a positive okay, thing. That, well, okay, here. I, that, that, that far I'll agree with you. Yes, it is making things that are nerdy more mainstream and have more mainstream feel. Yes, definitely. Yeah, so at least that's how I feel about it. So I think that that is a positive thing. Yes, it is also true that in general people will say, well, you know, who's really attractive are attractive people. <laughs> so, right. uh, that's still going to be the case, even, you know, as we move on. I mean, I just saw, when I saw it again, one of the people who was there was kind of like, a, a, you know, a friend of my roommates who's a little weird and a little, you know, odd. And that that's never going to be the guy that's going to get all the mainstream attention. Whereas, you know, like the good looking guy that happens to be wearing a, you know, you know, I am Groot and Groot is my dick t-shirt. <laughs> By the way, if that's not a t-shirt, it should be. It should be. Jeremy, copyright, tra- trademark it before anyone gets yeah. it. I don't think I can copyright an existing property, but I appreciate it. <laughs> and then if you see someone with that shirt online, you have to... Uh, Try to t- uh, do a strike on their YouTube account. You, yes. <laughs> Either that or uh, inside joke of, of Nerd Punch's nerd that no one's going to get with the three of us. <laughs> all right, so all right, guys. Here's my next question for you: If you right. were to, as we sort of wrap it up, if you could rate this movie on a scale of, let's oh. say, oh, oh, before we rate it, or oh. maybe after we rate it, uh, okay. Um, I feel like we should try to identify, like, where does this movie rank in the, you know, amongst other Marvel movies or other comic book movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah? All right. Well, I was actually going to bring that up, but... Okay, so let's do the rating first, then, and then we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, because I was going to say, you know, if we think about, like, you know, all the different you know, superhero movies and everything, you know, there's a lot of options, obviously, but, you know, how does it rate from a scale of... Let's say X Men Origins Wolverine slash Batman and Robin to The Dark Knight. 
where does it, you know, as, you know, one to ten, where do you think it falls? Okay. So I'll say, like, I think that it's, um, I think it's up there in the top five, and maybe even the top three. I mm-hmm. think, I think it's, I think, you know, this form of, of uh, superhero movies has been perfected more and more so in recent years, to a certain degree. So I, I'd say, I don't know about number one. Um, I, I, Wait, I are we are we rating it on a scale of one to ten, or are we actually like ranking it against other movies? Uh, against other movies. Okay. Yeah. So I'd say, God, I don't even know what my favorite is. Um, in some sense, it might be X two. In some sense, it might be The Dark Knight. But I'd say Guardians of the Galaxy is either uh, three or four. That's what I would say. Compared to others, I mean, you know, Sam, you recently did that that same quiz. Yeah, you know the top superhero movies. Yeah, uh, I'm actually a... looking. I went back to remind myself what my top five were. Right. Um, so my top five, according to the quiz, which has like sort of a, it's like a tournament system. So it's you know, it's not necessarily you're not going to get the same results every time depending on the seating. Um, but uh, my top five after taking that quiz, were Dark Knight, Avengers, X-Men First Class, Batman Begins, and X-Men Days of Future Past. Right, um, so the question is, would you put Guardians... Is, where does Guardians fit? Like yeah. a super, let's, and that's, that's pretty reasonable. I think that's pretty accurate in terms of like what I think the best comic movies are. So where does, where does Guardians fit on that list? Um, that's tough. It's definitely no worse than three. Um, you know, the top two are Dark Knight and Avengers... The question is whether I feel Guardians might actually have been better than Avengers. I think it was, like, when it's, it comes down to it's it. It's tough as a to movie. say. It's tough to yeah. say, because, like, I love Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. Avengers, Avengers is a fantastic movie. It but is. But at the same time, you know, it has certain flaws. The plot is relatively simple. Um, yeah. You know, and, like, as Jeremy was saying, like, you know, in the, the battle at the end, you know, they're not really like working as a team or you know like there's certain things you can sort of pick, nitpick with it yeah a lot of it was more like all right in the final battle everyone does something cool but yeah. that's sort of like the extent of yeah. their arc or anything yeah it wasn't the point is avengers wasn't as ambitious as say you know the dark knight or even 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 yeah. um, the and dark you know, knight rises i've argued you know. that for a long which, time which was a, too. a far inferior movie but you know, yeah. but I, I've argued but, for a long time about that. You know that I think the Avengers is very flawed, but it, it was the movie that had had to be to right. be as successful as it was. Right. So I don't so really, maybe, I can't. Maybe this is just like it. you know the recency effect talking, but like I, I right now I kind of feel like I could put Guardians number two behind Dark Knight, but ahead of Avengers. And how does it compare to Days of Future Past or Captain America two? Oh. Um, I, I put it ahead of both Days of Future Past and, and Captain America 2. Right. Captain America 2, I didn't... I, Captain America 2 is a very solid movie, but I didn't like it as much as you did. Okay, so for me, it's interesting to see how, like, things change. You know, because when I look back, uh, you know, I never saw any of the original Superman movies. Right. I did like, you know, Batman Returns, but, you know, in retrospect, it's not as good as, as I thought it was. And obviously the other Batman movies I don't really care for so much, especially Batman Forever. Batman and Robin is a sort of fun. Batman perhaps. and Robin you actually kind of like a little bit. I do. <laughs> I do kind of like it just because how stupid it is. Yeah. It's right. like, but it's enjoyably stupid. Yeah, but then, you know, yeah. I, you know, Spider-Man I do legitimately like. Even now, I still like it. And 
the X-Men movies, I feel like, sort of diminishing over time. Like, the more other things that come out, the lesser it looks in retrospect. Yeah. And I yeah. think Spider-Man still holds up a lot better. Yeah, yeah. But yeah although that also first, does first... apply, it applies to Spider-Man also. You know, Spider-Man is diminishing slowly over time. Yeah. Uh, you know, one and two. <laughs> but not as much as X-Men, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Now, the first two, the first two Spider-Man movies, we haven't really talked about it. Those, those were pretty good. Those yeah. were some of the best superhero movies. I mean, when I look at like, okay, so what, you know, I look at these like Marvel ones that have come out and like starting from, I guess from Iron Man, because I didn't, I didn't watch The Incredible Hulk. So basically it started at a pretty high point. Like, well, it's like, wow, that's really great. Yeah, it's like Iron Man. Oh. Iron Man kind of kicked things off, and because Iron Man was like a big hit. Is it perfect? No, but it's still pretty great. Still, but it's a good movie. You know, there was the Hulk after that that I didn't watch, and then after that was Iron Man two, which was like, hmm, it's almost it, it, it was really like a studio movie. It was the you know we're trying to make this more like you know we got to set up for the Avengers and remind people, set things into place. And that, so I did. I think it failed more because of that. And Thor was kind of fun, but it certainly wasn't as good as Iron Man. And then Captain America, I did like a lot. Again, not as good as Iron Man, but still very good. And then you had the Avengers. That was right after. you know. Right. So at that point, it had some amazing dialogue and some really fun action pieces. A lot of it didn't really make any sense. And even, <laughs> I mean, we've listened to Joss Whedon's commentary, which is awesome. Yeah, amazing commentary, and he, he even says like, "Yeah, I know this scene didn't make any sense, but we felt, mm-hmm. but we had to put in a scene of Thor versus Captain America's hammer because we right. just had to." Right, right. <laughs> so, I, yeah, he was you know, he was really great in that commentary. It was just it was very entertaining to watch it again just with the commentary. <laughs> so, uh, well, I, he's I, an interesting guy to listen to. You know, he yeah. talks about the craft of the filmmaking, but he also talks about the characters, and you know, like it's. It's, you know, like how he wanted to try to get the, the actors, you know, like his directing, we think of directing as just like pointing a camera at something, but like yeah. directing really means getting actors to express themselves in a certain way. But at that and point, like, you know, yeah, that's, you know, these little moments he talks mm-hmm. about, you know, like characters making eye contact and things like that, you know, that are that are important to the movie, like little subtle things. Well, anyway, as you anyway, were saying, Avengers. At that like, point, I was a little at that worried. Point, by far the best movie, yeah, the, you know, in the Marvel world that we had seen. I was like, all right, well, obviously Avengers two, because if Joss Whedon's doing it, well, of course it'll be great. But what about all these other ones? I was a little worried about you know the diminishing returns. And Iron Man three didn't exactly assuage my guilt, my like feeling about it. Yeah, it was it wasn't a bad movie. It was certainly better than Iron Man two, but it didn't like have like oh this you know. The same kind of this enjoyment. It had a lot of holes in it, from my perspective. And right. although, like, there was a lot of really great acting, I ultimately felt kind of let down by the ending. It's like, hmm, all right, well, I guess. Right, and, and there was also like Thor two. And Thor two was one of these things where it was another little bit too much of the setting, of the stage thing. Like, we got yeah. it set up for I, Avengers two. I think a weak movie, like. And, and although that was like an example of where Thor two of like it had like yeah it, it tried to have like comedy in it too and it just was disjointed with the comedy and the serious parts. And although some of it definitely worked and like I did like actually a lot of the final battle because I thought it was done more in like with like the portals and everything going through the different worlds that was kind of like a cool thing that we didn't we haven't really seen before. But a lot of it, I mean, the villain was kind of boring, and he didn't really. What was his motivation? I want everything to be destroyed in darkness. That's a stupid motivation. 
You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, okay, yes, his motivation was defined, I guess, but it was not an interesting one. And there's also right. a lot of like history there. But then, right, Captain and then America, we had like these X Men movies also. I mean, coming out at the same time. Well, actually, right? X Men first, first Class came out before the what? Avengers. It was, first Class came out before Avengers. Yeah, it was 2011. Yeah, yeah, it did. was it? Oh yeah, wow. of course. I remember because that was like it was the same year as Thor and Captain America. It was like a huge. You know, comic book year. Of course, this oh, is also. For some reason I thought First Class was after Avengers. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, well, whatever. the point it's is, I was like, wow, I was really impressed by Captain America too, and I really like, I like the one. I was like, okay, wow, this is like, this is an improvement over the last two movies I've seen. It was hard for me to like say, well, yeah, it's such a different movie from the Avengers. I can't really like put it ahead of that, but it's definitely better than Thor two or Iron Man three or Iron Man two. So from that perspective, I was like, okay, well, hey, that's pretty good. And I was, you know, thinking about Guardians of the Galaxy, it was just such a wild card. It looked great, just from the trailers, like they had the right idea. And I really liked it. I mean, it's hard to say. I've, I've been going back and forth. I really enjoyed rewatching it again. And, you know, that's often a good sign of something that's a good movie. You know, something that hits you the same way. And a lot of it totally did, like it hit me the same way again. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously... There is no such thing as a perfect movie. Even The Dark Knight isn't a perfect movie. You know, at the end of The Dark Knight, I was so blown away by that more than any other comic book movie I've seen. Yeah. But Guardians is pretty close to that. Yeah. So I think from that perspective, just from the... I remember I've talked about how, like, you know, I have these sort of different categories for how I quantify a movie because you can't really... I don't like the number system because I think it's kind of flawed. Or even grades. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. Uh, so I, like I say, okay, what, uh, I look at acting, story, the look, the feel, and the point. And then I say, like, how does it matter? Does it matter at all? Right. Is it, like, pointless? Does it have something it's trying to, you know, that it's saying that's interesting about, you know, our society or whatever? And the feel is also important. Like, how do I feel after I've left this movie? And I'm like, eh, that was fine. And then move on. Because that totally happens all the time. I see a lot of movies that are just like, well, that was all right. You know, good acting, but it's yeah. not going to stick with me. You know? Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, there's, I think, like the Sin City movie I just saw. You know, I liked it, but it's not going to be, like, amazing. You know, the first Sin City movie just blew me away by how different it was. But this is the same yes. thing. Yes, I remember when I first saw the first Sin City movie, it also blew me away. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a great movie. Like, if I went back and watched it again, I would probably you know, pick flaws at it, you know, and, like, find ways that, that it's not that great or whatever. But um, but I remember being blown away at the time. Anyway, Jeremy, yeah, we got so, to gotta hold you to uh, your final ranking. And so. that's, uh, I'm going to have to give it a number two for right now. Okay. In the big so your, your top Your top movies are Dark Knight, um, Guardians, yeah. then Captain America 2. Yes, then the and Avengers, then Avengers, and then X-Men First Class. And then X-Men First Class. I know that's different from you guys, but I liked it more than Days of Future Past. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Um, I mean, I, I still put that one better than any of the other X-Men movies. I mean, I don't... It's Really, I, I, I would more quibble with you on, on how much you liked Captain America 2. <laughs> no, we can get into that another time. X-Men movies. <laughs> but uh, but that's, that's like a whole different discussion. Right. And we can't talk, we can't talk about that too much because Benji hasn't seen right. it yet. Okay, well... I feel like we're all pretty positive, you know, we all sort of recognize the flaws, but we also see a lot of the gain. 
and I'm certainly looking forward to seeing, you know, what they do next. Because, I mean, at this point, I feel like, you know, they've earned enough goodwill over even making mistakes that I can still yeah. be like, I mean, you know, Pixar sort of done the same thing where they kind of screwed over a little bit with the car stuff. And if their next movie is really great, be like, all right, okay, so you've learned from what you screwed up. And whereas if they don't, I'll be like a little worried, but I guess we'll see. You know, the next one is the next, you know, the next movie is, is next year. It's an unfair standard though, that Pixar sort of created for itself. It did, unfortunately. Of like every single movie has to be amazing. Well, like, right. So who who can do that? <laughs> Nobody can do that. Clearly, not even them. It's, right. it's unfair. Right. But well, they did it to themselves by so, making so many good movies. So let's think. Of, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. just thinking about what comes there. next. Next year, we have two movies from Marvel. You know, there's the Avengers two plus Ant Man, which you know just started okay. filming. Which is like yeah, the I don't know. The question is like, does anyone have any? You, you were just saying like, you know, whatever Marvel has like a pretty good brand. And like they've they've established that they make pretty good movies, but like, is anyone really excited to watch Ant Man or like yeah. Doctor Strange or whatever? I'm like, a little like, interested in that. The Doctor Strange one is more interesting to me than Ant Man. And you know, eventually, you know, the year after that, of course, is Captain America three, X Men Apocalypse, Doctor Strange, Ooh, yeah. uh, also the Sinister Six, which is a Spider Man nonsense, and more Fantastic Four. Another Spider-Man, and then, and then you know, eventually, you know, and then you're going to have like around the same time you're going to have you know the Superman, Batman stuff. So it's going to be quite a bunch of the things coming. The question to me is like, are they finally going to make a good Fantastic Four movie? Well, you know what? Now it, that now that like so many other good superhero movies have been made, and there's sort of like a model of like this is how you make a good superhero movie. You know, like what are, you know, what are it's the interesting because actually, like, have you guys seen Chronicle? No. Okay, so the director of that, and that's all he's directed, and I liked it, uh, is also doing Fantastic Four with Kate Mara from House of Cards, Miles Teller, who I think is a pretty, he's a pretty funny guy, Michael B. Jordan from, like, The Wire, he's also very, he's very good, you know, and Jamie Bell, so, who knows? But that's just all in the future, and for right now, I think we can just say, as we wrap it up, was this the best movie of all time? No, maybe the 17th. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, guys. Nerd you Get later. Get there on IMDb. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Nerd you later. This movie the 17th most popular. Mm-hmm. All right, Sam, ready? Nerd you yeah, later. I'm ready. Are you ready? Nerd you yeah. later, Sam. Nerd you later. Nerd you later, Sam. Nerd you later.